In today's episode of the Joint State Podcast, we will resume our conversation with Yvonne on the topic of broadband. If you missed the first half of our discussion, please check out episode two. So what has the Commonwealth already done to develop broadband throughout Pennsylvania communities? There are a number of things that have been happening. We have an Office of Broadband Initiatives. It's housed in the Department of Community and Economic Development, and they have been working on deployment plans and things. We've had a number of pieces of legislation introduced that would expand broadband through funding ideas, building on top of existing infrastructure in the state. The Department of Education has been working with the school districts, especially during COVID, trying to make sure everybody can get access for their students to do distance learning, those kind of things. Are there things that a community itself can do to improve their situation if they know that they are having difficulty accessing broadband? Well, there are a couple of things that can be done. Municipalities can try to create their own companies. There are some statutory hurdles to that right now, but it can be done. There are some communities that are forming their own little nonprofits that get better service to their communities. There's a company in Huntington County where a group of really savvy engineering type guys have come together and built their own network. This is Brian. And I was thinking that some of the electric rural co-ops are starting to get involved with providing broadband as well. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Um, I would have skipped over that. But yes, the, the rural electric cooperatives, which is how in like the 1930s and 40s, we got electricity to the farmers. They're still in existence. They're still providing those kind of services. They own a lot of uh, transmission lines and poles that you can use to run cable for internet to their communities. And they're working some within their own. There's a lot of regional efforts going on. I I believe, Brian, uh, especially up around, isn't it Bradford? Yes, I believe three counties up by there are part of that co-op and they're laying the groundwork for fiber optic cables. There is, and I I don't want to shortchange the existing internet service providers who are upgrading their networks and adding more fiber and getting to higher speeds. So if you look at the FCC reports from maybe four years ago versus now, the type of service that's provided, the areas that are provided is expanding. So even without state plan in place, the existing commercial providers are making efforts because they realize it's needed too. And of course, then there is FCC money through various grant programs that a lot of these entities can access as well to build their lines, do their underground cables or run cables to the poles, that kind of thing. So there's a lot going out there. 
probably it would benefit from a more coordinated perspective generally to make sure that people aren't competing for the same grants, or if they are, that they maybe can cooperate with each other to try to maximize. It would help to have some more coordination going on with that. So we didn't have, we didn't have overlays, we didn't overbuild, we didn't Yvonne, what about anchor institutions? I think we wrote a bit about how just schools and hospitals and and just certain pieces of key infrastructure and communities are trying to help. Brian, when you say anchor institutions, could could you clarify for me what you meant by that term? Places in the town that are just kind of critical to the infrastructure, like libraries, schools, community centers, the kind of places where you can create a hub for internet service provision. Some of the school districts have done that with, and one of the things we recommended in the report was having places like the libraries have internet service available that people can come there and use. A lot of the public libraries do have that, But the idea of all of those community resources that are out there to make sure if you can't get broadband anywhere else, you have the ability to go to that institution and access broadband for whatever you need. We see that even now in my local public library where people don't own computers, they will come, they can reserve a computer for an hour and use it, and they're doing job applications, they're writing resumes, and then uploading them to job websites. So it's an important role that will help people if you can have those kind of centralized places in your community that are available for people who, for whatever reason, can't afford or or can't receive broadband. And part of it is, you know, you get into some of these really remote areas, you're in a valley, there may be three houses in the valley, there's no practical way to get internet to them. They shouldn't have to drive 50 miles to be able to access a computer. So you want the small town they're part of, they can have a place to go and access that kind of information. Uh, Yvonne, I wanted to bring up one point on the topic of hubs. Wasn't there a story about how some school districts were using school buses as mobile hubs during the COVID closure? Yes. In the western part of the state, there are actually a couple of school districts that use school buses as mobile hubs that the kids could then access the internet with iPads and get their work done. Because some of those school districts, when we went into shutdown in March, their kids didn't have iPads. They didn't have internet access. And the schools were literally producing reams of paper to get to all of these kids to be able to to them to do schoolwork. But trying to coordinate that remotely is a nightmare. So they were using satellite and mobile Wi-Fi and creating these hotspots for kids to be able to work on your schoolwork. And I think in the report, we talked about a couple of those school districts in the broadband and education chapter who were doing things like that. Um, It was a short-term fix. I think our advisory committee would tell you it's not a permanent solution, 
but given the exigent circumstances that uh, the schools were facing, it was a fix that helped. Why did the advisory commission decide that an independent government entity was the preferred way to address these issues? I think the idea is to have a central organization that can coordinate and get the different parties talking to each other. If you have multiple providers or multiple needs in one community, to have that authority to be able to say, hey, you should work with this person, not in a mandatory sense, but this project's going on and this project's going on. Maybe there are some room for coordination in this situation. An independent body, it's a universal need. So you don't want to politicize it. So you want an independent body that has representation from both sides of the aisle, from consumers, from providers, so that you have a group that's doing this work in a bipartisan way. One of the things with the authority is that we are hoping as proposed that it would also be providing for grants, providing guidance and guidelines on who can apply for a grant. So um, like if you're a community startup that you can't just come in and say, give us some money, we're going to go try to build this, but to come in and say okay, this is our plan, this is what we think we can do, and really kind of qualify people almost in an RFP type proposal to um, make sure money is being spent on feasible projects. Overall, I think it was just the idea that you needed some permanency, you needed a, a group that could coordinate and oversee all of these efforts to make sure we are reaching the communities that need to be reached. How has the pandemic changed discussions on broadband policy? I think the report, the advisory committee was well underway when the pandemic hit, but can you give us a sense of the time frame and how that played into this discussion? Our report was originally due the end of June, and we were in the process of writing recommendations when we went into uh, shutdown mode. And that cost us some time. So uh, we actually ended up releasing the report like September 1st, um, simply because it took that long to kind of get back on our feet and and re-communicate with people. But the pandemic has just really highlighted how much broadband internet services are needed between the kids being able to do distance learning, people with high-risk medical conditions being able to do telemedicine checkups and not have to go to a doctor's office or an emergency room, with the farming, the agriculture aspects of it, being able to sell your stuff online and be able to reach a market that you normally wouldn't reach because you couldn't go to the uh, central market in your town like you normally would do. And so being able to access the internet, to reach out to people, to let them know this is what we have and here, here's how you can get it. Um, a lot of the wineries, uh, the small local wineries are online now that um, 
They can't have their tasting parties anymore, but they can ship you their wine. So a lot of these small businesses, these small agriculture related businesses really had to find a way to get to market that didn't involve physically going there or bringing people in to a place like a winery. And that highlighted the need for broadband as well. So uh, I think the biggest thing the pandemic has done has shown us just how much we need broadband to be able to live and work in a full way that you can, well, and then we're teleworking, of course, I'm missing a huge, huge aspect of it, which is what we're doing right now. And this is not something that would normally have been in our tool belt a year ago for government agencies, for businesses. There are businesses that are teleworking now and are talking about, you know, maybe we're not going to go back to having people come in, or maybe we're going to do a kind of hybrid teleworking thing because it's working and they're getting the same amount of work done. It's shown us that we can function and we can live a different kind of normal if we have internet access, if we can get the things we need. Thank you so much for joining our conversation about Joint State's recently released report on improving access to broadband in the Commonwealth. If you're interested in more information about this report, please go to our website. It's jsg.legis.state.pa.us. And you can get information about the commission or the actual copy of the report on our website. Our music today has been provided by Joseph McDade. Thanks all and have a good afternoon.